Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a company dedicated to helping all businesses with their people-related decisions. They do that by giving clients access to the best human capital, due diligence, and background checks available on prospective candidates, business partners, tenants, and more. To learn more, simply visit www.peopleg2.com. Today, we're privileged to have with us the founder and president of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, Chris. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me. It's Tuesday. It's 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, so that means it's Talent Talk, and uh, I'll be your host for the next hour. If this is the first time that you're tuning in, welcome, and uh, give you a little rundown of how the show works. Basically, we have a wide range of guests on our show that care about talent and are uniquely talented themselves. So we try to talk about talent in those two ways. First, as it relates to success and uncovering the secrets of really talented people. And second, we talk about talent in relation to human resources and how HR leaders find the best candidates today. Hopefully you see how that works. The word talent has a couple different meanings in the business world and this show looks to really explore those two areas uh, as best we can while having an impact uh, on the talented individuals and company culture that uh, of our, of our, really of all of our listeners. So my guests typically include CEOs, entrepreneurs, and HR executives from all types of industries. And when I'm out at these different networking events or industry conferences, I have the privilege of meeting these inspiring leaders all the time. And really, I created this forum to allow you to listen in on our dialogue and hopefully learn some practical advice that will impact your own career in a positive way. Before I get to my guests uh, today, I want to thank those of you tuning in live. Don't forget you can submit your questions via Twitter right now. Just tweet your question, put the at PeopleG2 on there, and use that hashtag TalentTalk, and my producer Mike will give me some of the best questions, and we'll try to work them into the show. Don't forget you can also listen to the show via our podcast on iTunes or Android, as well as uh, subscribe to have that weekly show sent to you right there on your uh, smart device. As of this week, we have just over, uh, just under 72, 70, excuse me, 78,000 uh, of you listening on that uh, podcast feed, and we really appreciate everyone who's engaged and listening to the show and telling their friends about it. With that being said, let's get today's show started. My guests today are Cheryl Petrush, Petrush, excuse me, uh, Director of HR and uh, U.S. Operations at uh, Coupong, I think I'm saying that right, and Sunny Baines, she's the HR Director at City Trends. So Sunny will be joining me the second half of the show here in the studio, but now I've got Cheryl on the phone. So Cheryl, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, of course, your company, uh, Coupon. <laughs> yeah, HR professional. So over 20 years of experience, kind of started out, um, you know, doing benefits administration, workers' compensation, uh, when employee staff leasing was was big on the market in the early um, 90s and then kind of progressed from there in a traditional HR HR manner, um, working in different um, verticals and in different industries and then finally kind of settling on some international adventures, which is kind of my latest, my latest role here with Coupon. Well, international adventures are always good. So I know that the director of that US op, HR and U.S. operations is fairly new for you. So what are some of the immediate challenges that you think you'll be facing? Uh, it is new. Um, so Coupon is a um, one of the fastest growing e-commerce. It is the fastest growing e-commerce company uh, based in South Korea. It's in its fifth year of business. 
And one of the initiatives they had for this year was to expand um, their offering of products to offer their Korean consumers U.S.-made products. So in order to do that, they um, decided to set up a distribution operations in Southern California to source those products and make it available to their Korean customers. So challenges probably not the right word, more of an adventure, I would say. It's, um, it's been interesting trying to set up a, a U.S.-based company when your headquarters is in a different country. Mm-hmm. You know, HR is, is highly, highly regulated in the state, so doing business in other countries is very different than bringing a business here to the U.S. So certain challenges, but not one note. You know, we're not easily overcoming with with the right team and the right talent that we're putting into place. Well, I'm sure your 20 years of uh, HR experience uh, will have helped you with that, and I'm sure you've you've probably seen the really the the field of HR you know change over that time. What, what would you say is maybe the biggest change that you've seen, and uh, and you know, did you have to ad- adapt your kind of your methodology and approach over time? Uh, yeah, great. Great question. Um, you know, I guess to sound cliche, I would say, you know, technology has been so instrumental in the HR field, just kind of evolving and dealing with things that we weren't dealing with 20, 20 plus years ago. It's both good and bad. Um, the ease of uh, data transfer um, and information moving from one place to another um, you know, is is minutes and seconds nowadays, which used to take, you know, fax machines and cable modems and, you know, snail mail and all of those things. So I think that's been the biggest, the biggest change that I've seen in this is- industry is how technology has revolutionized um, not only our world, but, but HR as an industry. Well, I'm sure that, yeah, adding in, you now you can track things you couldn't track before. You can document things in a way that you couldn't before. And you probably have a lot more issues that you never had before uh, with everyone bringing all their technology into the workplace as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the great things about it is it makes, um, it makes operating seamless, whether you're sitting in South Korea or Southern California. Um, that's been one of the marvels that I've been able to kind of witness and implement firsthand is seeing how seamless, you know, technology can make communications from halfway around the world. Yeah. Well, I, I know with this, you know, several different companies you've worked for and now working, as you've mentioned, for for a company that's in a completely different part of the world and culturally different than the United States. But I'm sure you've seen within inside the companies different types of culture, just even beyond you know, the differences between South Korea and the United States, but looking at how companies are run. So can you maybe talk about some of the challenges that, you know, the companies that you've worked for face when it comes to maintaining a positive and even transformative company culture? Sure. Probably one of the biggest, I think, um, things that we deal with as, as HR people is, is constantly attracting the right talent. You know, millennials have have in and of themselves kind of revolutionized the workforce. Um, things that weren't acceptable are acceptable now. And, and as employers and workplaces, we're having to adapt to those workers um, that are coming into the workforce. Um, they're highly, highly educated. Um, they don't really seem to have the same 
um, baggage issues uh, that, that we saw maybe with the, the generation before. You know, they've got, they've, they've been born and raised in this technology era. They have so much information coming at them so quickly. So being able to really adapt to the workplace in some more traditional industries to this workforce coming in. Yeah, I can imagine, um, you know, we've talked about on the show before that we now expect people to come into the workforce already sort of pre-trained in so many ways that even 15 years ago, we were prepared to actually train them in, uh, you know, how to use Microsoft Office and how to use a computer and all these things we just expect uh, people to know. And so what, what we're seeing is that now the training is kind of moving more towards uh, the interpersonal skills, the development, the leadership, the things that, you know, they can't get off of a smartphone. Are you starting to see that as a challenge in your your organization and, and having to, to really help those millennials coming in to develop their own skills on an interpersonal level? Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's, it's ironic that you say that. I was just reading um, some stats that came out of the, the Pew Research Center. It was um, done, actually, I guess it would be quite dated a year ago, but 2000. 13, but they said the average attention span of a millennial is about eight seconds versus the attention span of a goldfish, which is actually nine seconds. So a millennial <laughs> has a, a shorter attention span than a goldfish. So you can imagine, you know, putting all of these people into a work a workforce um, where they don't have, you know, the traditional upbringings and the interpersonal skills. You know, they're, they, you know, talk in in, um, you know, emoticons and, and all these things that we have on, on smartphones. So developing that piece of them has been extremely, extremely challenging, but somewhat comical at times. But, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a very mixed mixed pot in workforces now. Yeah, I think I, I could see the, the banner now in your office is, be better than the goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I have to giggle with that, you know, that statistic because you know i i mean i'm a mother i have two young boys and you know if i'm lucky if i get eight seconds so you know i'm dealing with that in the workforce as well yeah yeah it it can always be tough of course our attention span is always a little higher when they want something right whether it's an exactly whether it's your kids or an employee or whatever yeah so yeah so, uh, you know, as a strategic leader in your company, one of the many tasks you kind of assume in that human, is human capital recruitment and training and evaluation, and all while you're keeping your, your eye on the, you know, really that return on investment for, for all these different hires. So what do you typically do to, to find and recruit the best candidates? I found that um, being in the workforce for over 20 years, not necessarily just in, in HR, but other industries as well, there's so much to be said for personal personal networks. Um, I think LinkedIn has really, you know, developed such a forum um, that's kind of, uh, you know, changed the way we recruit. I mean, you have access to so much information, you know, just sitting in front of your laptop, um, connecting with people you wouldn't normally connect with. Um, we've had tremendous success you know, just really kind of scouring our personal networks, you know, linking in with people from different industries or like industries and recruiting right, right from LinkedIn. Yeah, it really has been a great source for a lot of people. Um, I, I've, I've 
on on sort of the devil's advocate side, I've been waiting for the day that there starts to be these really large sort of stories or cases where maybe people overinflated things too much or, you know, completely lied about working at a particular place that maybe was so big that no one would really remember or not, you know, did they work there or not kind of a thing. Uh, Or even made up, you know, entire companies, you know, that that never existed because they wanted to have those credentials. But, you know, it it certainly does seem to to have regulated itself enough where there's enough uh, kind of social power there to keep everyone relatively honest. And uh, but it has been such a great source for companies to find people that maybe they couldn't otherwise find or would have to spend so much money going out there to look for. Right. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and the internet, the internet's been an amazing tool, but also it doesn't give you a whole lot of places to hide as well. So, you know, we've, I've encountered several incidences where we've, you know, rescinded offers, you know, based on, um, you know, inappropriate behavior on, on social, social websites as well, or finding out that they didn't work someplace where they said they worked. Um, so it's, it's an amazing, amazing place to find all kinds of information and i oh, think yeah. people need to be very aware of that yeah i mean then that's what my company does is helping firms do that kind of work and we see that every day from people completely lying about ever even a, you know, they say they have a degree somewhere they never even attended and say they have jobs <laughs> they never had and that they were the manager of a department when they really worked for three days as a rep you know they weren't even, they certainly weren't a manager let alone they only made it three days just amazing things that people will lie about uh, and in some ends, you can almost feel some sympathy for them that, you know, they're trying so hard to maybe get employed, but they're doing it in the wrong way that's dishonest. And that's obviously going to reflect later on in their work uh, for the company. Yeah, absolutely. That follows you. So, you know, I'm wondering, you're, you've kind of got these probably maybe maybe parallel, but maybe slightly different uh, company values that might be going on, or there might be some overlap there with being you've got bases, you know, home base in South Korea, and then you've got home base here, and so you've got different people and and different uh, things that maybe are important. Certainly, the overall company goals are going to be important, and are hopefully will be on the same page. But you may have some slightly different or push and pull there. How do you effectively communicate that to your current employees and and also to prospective candidates? Well, we've really tried to understand um, the culture that Coupon has has set up over in South Korea. I mean, they've been very successful. Um, they've got over 2 million subscribers, you know, over 1,500 employees, and, you know, have reached, you know, over a billion dollars in gross sales in, you know, a little less than five years. So, you know, they have every everything going for them. So we've, we've tried to replicate as much as we can, or we will replicate as much as we can here as we build out U.S. operations. Uh, but there's, you know, there are distinct differences in just doing doing business in the U.S. as opposed to doing it in another country. I've I've had the fortunate experience to, you know, do a lot of international HR, and every every country has their own spin on it. But I will say that you know, doing business in the U.S. is more regulated than most of these countries, and specifically, probably more so than any of your Asia Pacific countries. So we're, we're taking bits and pieces of it. You know, Coupon has five core values that, that they that they believe in, and we're really trying to kind of replicate those here in our recruiting process and our onboarding process and as we build out this distribution piece of the business. So can you, can you name all five off the top of your head? <laughs> Actually, they're really simple. Uh, it's a wow, focus, 
fail fast, be open, and believe. Oh, those are great. So those are the, yeah, really great, um, you know, phrases, single words that really kind of attribute to the success of the company and, and the people that we want, you know, playing, playing on this team and, and building this company as we go forward. So maybe if we look at it from down low on the food chain here, if we pick an average employee, you know, who's uh, c- come to work for your your company, let's maybe focus here on the, the your Southern California based uh, uh, home. You know, what do you think is the most important thing that they're thinking about? Uh, you know, as a member of, of that of this company and and what you guys are trying to do. Well, we're definitely looking for for people that. Gosh, I don't want to. I guess I, I don't have a better term than really kind of, you know, color outside of those lines. Really somebody that understands um, the flow of business. And I think that's where a lot of employees um, tend to fail, is that they don't understand how their role fits into an organization and understand the flow of business. And so we've really taken it upon ourselves to make sure that every employee that joins us understands how their role fits into the overall um, business not only here in Southern California but you know globally as well um, so really really focusing on um, a dynamic fit um, you know I can I can teach somebody how to use a computer or how to open up an email but I can't really teach them how to be organized and motivated so really really concentrating on that dynamic fit into the organization um, and the rest will you know in my experience falls in line well, that's probably a tribute to you. Know, we did a little little research in, in, into you as as we were preparing to have you come on the show, and noticed that you know you, you seem to bring a collaborative style to your decision making and problem solving. So, how do you how do you do that when you're trying to effectively manage a team uh, and, and get them to to really show leadership as opposed to kind of having a you know more of a dictator style of management? You know, it's I think it's taken years to kind of help perfect that skill and I you know I'd like to say the older I get the wiser I become but uh, I think you really realize how important listening becomes and the influence that you have over an organization by not reacting so quickly to to a situation so there are so many sides to every situation Chris that you know sometimes just being heard is enough they don't Mm -hmm. have to be right and really, I think, kind of bringing um, a calm and honest approach to the situation. Um, people don't like to deliver bad news, but um, if you do it in a concise, direct manner, I think it can be delivered, you know, with complete humility. And, and that allows for progressive conversations rather than, you know, ones that are going to escalate and there'll be no resolution. Yeah, it's certainly debatable whether or not I'm smarter than now getting older or not. But I, I do know that <laughs> I, I realize how much I don't know. The old Every year that goes by, I just, it seems there's this infinite amount of stuff I realize I have no clue about, how much the world is going on that, you know, most of us don't realize. And uh, But that kind of gets into what you're talking about. Sometimes it's not about having the answer. Sometimes it's about listening. It's about letting them be heard about taking that moment to try to understand someone or something as opposed to, you know, trying to be the smartest person in the room. Yeah, of course. And there's, you know, there's a fine line between empathy and sympathy and really developing those 
empathy skills as, you know, as an HR professional, I think is key to just really um, overall kind of conflict resolution. Yeah. Well, certainly, I guess, you know, we build or we get, we're definitely going to have more opportunities to have experienced other things that other people did, which gives us a better uh, chance of having empathy as opposed to just just the basic sympathy, I guess. So maybe that's the, the key to, to wisdom and in, in, in getting older is is having more empathy and those opportunities to do that. So you may have just found something that could be your book. So, <laughs> which 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 segue, segues me right into our our favorite question to ask all of our guests, and that is, what are you reading right now? And can you tell us about that book? You know, actually, I just um, got done with reading um, Simon Sinek's new book uh-huh. or his recent book, Leaders Eat Last. Yeah. Um, great book. Um, you know, the overall gist of it is, you know, why, why some teams work and others don't, based kind of loosely on the Marine Corps concept that, you know, leaders eat last and subordinates will, will eat before them. So really just a, a great read on how to build um, the circle of safety, you know, which I just found extremely fascinating and almost so elementary at the same time. It's, you know, it's, what, it's a time when one of those lights go off that, you know, people perform better when they feel safe, um, you know, and that goes, you know, for family life as well as, as workplace. So it was, um, it was a really, really great book. I would encourage um, any HR professional to read it. Yeah, it's a, it's come up a few times on the show, and we run a, uh, a book club here locally and for HR people, and uh, we're going to be probably suggesting that one as our next read for the for the following month because it, it has been getting a lot of buzz and a lot of HR people have really been enjoying it and mentioning it uh, on the show and to me, you know, uh, at different events. So uh, I look forward to it. I'm glad that uh, you, you suggested it. Yeah, yeah, great book. So, uh, you know, I'm wondering as you kind of like look back over your own personal and professional development, do you think that you had a particular influence or person that kind of maybe sent you down a particular path to, to kind of lead you to where you are now? Jeez, nah, that's a... Uh, you know, I, I've i been fortunate to have um, very strong strong women in my life. Um, my um, grandmother, you know, born and raised in, in the Hawaiian Islands, just a phenomenal... Um, phenomenal leader um, in her own right, you know, uh, passing that down to my mother, who I think, you know, taught me how to read a financial statement before I knew how to boil water. So she, um, she really kind of put me on that professional path and, you know, inspired me to um, share my talents. And, um, you know, I've been, I've been very fortunate in that respect to have, to have been surrounded by very strong women. Yeah, that, that uh, we've had a lot of people kind of give similar answers about maybe those those uh, parent or grandparent or you know someone like that that really really kind of influenced and and shaped who they were as a leader and then probably probably a close second might be a first boss that they had that really you know impacted them as well. So it's interesting how these people in our lives have such a huge impact on who we are from a leadership standpoint. Yeah, which always leads me to believe that those really poor leaders, I need we need to go talk to their parents because they obviously didn't do very well with them, right? 
Yeah, well, if you think about it, you know, your mom kind of is your first boss, so, you know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about uh, sort of your style and, and some of the things that you're doing with your team, but did you have any real specific suggestions you might give our listeners on how you encourage those around you to really develop their own talent. It's one thing for them to to want to perform. It's one thing for them to do the job they're supposed to do. But to try to get better as a person as well is, is kind of a really interesting component to to a great workforce. At least I think so. So, did you have anything in that area that that you do to try to get people to really, you know, develop themselves and, and become better? I think people need to continually work on their craft. Um, you know, in terms of, of human resources, I mean, there's the certification process and, and networking and SHRM and all those great places where you can kind of keep up with, with your knowledge. But really, um, it's it's changing. It's changing every day. And so to do, to do the industry justice, I think you really need to take that step towards professional development. Um, you know, one of the things that I neglected to get early in my career was support for those um, professional development. And so, you know, I really encourage that when I build my staff is I get them out there, I get them educated, I get them certified. So really concentrating, you know, on those on those areas of perfecting perfecting your craft. And then really finding your voice. I mean, I can recall, you know, several times sitting in a conference room thinking, you know, gosh, I was, I was just going to say that. Why didn't I say that? And finding your confidence level and, and finding your voice and making that impact into the business. Yeah, that's, 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 certainly it's great advice. So, um, well, I really appreciate you being on the show today. We've learned a lot uh, about you and about your company and, and all the great things that you're doing. Um, so hopefully we can have you come back at some point and give us an update on how uh, Coupon is doing. But um, if people are interested in learning more, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, you know what? Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, I, I think you guys sent out a, a blurb earlier. So uh, send, me, send me a request, and I'd love to uh, share, share more about this adventure and, and connect with people. Well, again, thank you so much for being on the, our guest on the show today. It was a real pleasure having you. Great. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. So Sunny Baines is coming up after this quick commercial break. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. 
with the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days, all with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Just a quick reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast of this show and join the almost 78,000 of you that are, are listening on a regular basis. And you can do that by visiting octalkradio.net and clicking on the Shows tab and clicking on Talent Talk. Or you can go directly to talenttalkradio.com and there you can find us. Or really the best way that most people, I think, is they open up their podcast app on their, on their iTunes and, or excuse me, on their iPhone or their iPad and uh, subscribe to the show. So uh, we look forward to uh, having you check out the rest of this show. You can hear all the past episodes. But uh, now let's go ahead and get this one wrapped up. We can get to our second guest, and uh, her name is Sunny Bain. She's the HR Director at City Trends. Don't forget to tweet your questions live right now for her, especially the really difficult ones, so we can try to stump her. Uh, sending them to at PeopleG2 and use that hashtag, Talent Talk. So, Sunny, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Doing great. So tell us a little about yourself and, of course, about your current role at City Trends. Perfect. Well, I am an HR director at City Trends. I've been with the company six years, and pretty much my entire career has been in human resources right out of college, so about 13 years of experience mm -hmm. in all different facets of HR as far as generalist, recruiting, a little bit of specialty. So, yeah, wide breadth. And, and where did you uh, graduate from? Um, Fresno State. Fresno State. Was that, was that the Bulldogs? I'm a Bulldog. Oh, how do, why do I know that? Why <laughs> do I know that's the Bulldogs? All right. I, I've, I've been to Fresno a few times, never to the university, actually, but uh, back in my, my youth, we used to go there for uh, water polo tournaments at uh, Clovis. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. right in my backyard. Yeah, yeah. Big, big pool there. And I'm just like, just the most spread out city I've ever been to, you know. Very you, much you, you so. Drive miles and miles and miles <laughs> and still not be wherever you need to go. We're still in Fresno. So, <laughs> so anyways, as the HR director at City Trends, um, what do you find to be kind of the biggest day-to-day -day or week-to-week -week challenges that you're facing right now? It's 100% talent management, and that not only goes along the lines with talent acquisition, but also just making sure your talent, your people are driven towards the strategic goals of the company and getting them engaged and every day being passionate about what they do and have making sure that they know that it has meaning. So what are some of the different uh, types of positions that you're kind of have to regularly do that for? Um, I mean, it, in our company, and I, I personally also believe this, it all starts with the associates. Without, mm -hmm. without them being passionate, I mean, as a leader, our only job is making sure that any roadblocks that are there for the associates to succeed are removed. So, I mean, the most important is getting down to that that customer. You know, um, City Trends is a retail-based company, so just making sure that those associates are directly aligned and happy with the company so that they can provide that customer service and, you know, mm -hmm. make the shopping experience pleasant. All right. So you talked about a little about that talent cultivation and management. So yeah, that's really an area that many companies find themselves struggling with. Uh, what do you do to really ensure you're drawing in the top talent available to fill in those spots, uh, you know, that, that are really needed? I think it really is talking about your story and why would you want to work for our company versus anybody else. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're an urban-based retailer. So one thing that, you know, I know a lot of corporations give back to the community and they really live that, but 
being in the urban markets that we operate in, we truly live as far as we're taking, you know, people that probably haven't had the opportunities um, that other people may have. And we really invest in that training. We Mm -hmm. teach them life skills. And, you know, you're part of the community. You know, here you are. You don't have an education, but, you know, you you have a high chance to really become successful and lead a group of people, move on, you know, throughout your career ladder. So it's really selling the dream as far as like, why would you want to work for us versus anybody else? Right. And, you're, and you matter. So are you, are you like maybe telling stories and kind of showing like particular people that have, have gone through that, what you're talking about? Exactly. And you see it a lot, you know, through a lot of companies, you know, previously I was with Home Depot and they really, sh- you know, shared the dream as far as, you know, you have a lot of tenant who's a regional vice president now. And mm-hmm. once you buy into you know, people don't, people work for people. And so once you buy into why am I here and how is it going to help me and you sell them that, that's kind of what makes it all worth it. Right, right. And I, I think any opportunity, people always want to be learning something new. They want to have growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so they want an opportunity and a chance. But I think anyone who you really want to keep really wants those opportunities to grow. So it sounds like you're you're kind of bringing in the right people that mm-hmm. are having, need, need what you want to train them and are wanting to take that. And it sounds like that's a good formula then for you. Right, right. Maybe you could kind of talk about what you see as the more crucial role, you know, that HR departments fill. You know, is it culture management? Is it strategic management? Is it talent development? I mean, if, if you had to like, they said, we're going to take everything away but one thing. You know, what would you kind of pick as that one really critical thing you think that HR really has to be handling? And I'll throw out compliance. Let's throw that yeah. out the door, right? I mean, that's kind of the a must but you know right. from a more strategic standpoint what is that one thing that we can take out no no you those, would keep that, that you would keep, keep that you, oh. think you, you need to be doing it's on gonna it. be the strategic management yeah. of you know where is the business going and making sure that we're completely aligned from a human capital standpoint mm-hmm. so so that's really uh it, well maybe you could talk about how, then how, how do you do that is it regularly having to have those strategic conversations with the other kind of upper management or is it talking with you know, the, the associates, I mean, where, where do you really find that, that equilibrium? So basically, I mean, you can kind of compartmentalize it in two parts. One is like the more analytics. Okay, if we're planning on growth, you know, how many stores are we opening up? How many people are we going to need? What's your recruitment strategies? How are we going to get that talent into our stores? Um, But then also it's from a culture standpoint. If you're trying to target a certain niche in the marketplace, how are we then going to get our people aligned with who we are and what we're doing and making sure that they understand their mission every day when they're at work? So they, they can drill it down to the customers as well. So you've got kind of a twofold when you're playing a strategic part. One is the logistical, analytical, logical side. Okay, this is what we need from a human capital standpoint. But then the other side is more of those softer skills where, okay, now how am I going to integrate it? I think you've talked about it, is in the culture mm-hmm. and making sure all your associates down to, you know, your sales associates are aligned. Right, right. And do you think that a real part of that is the employee engagement into making them, I guess, not only understand what you want, but I guess they've got to want it too, right? Right, right. You know, um, it's very important during that interview and recruiting process. It's not only, you know, do we like you, but do you like us? Mm -hmm. Do you believe in our philosophy? You know, do you buy into it? And here's our culture, here's our values. And if if that's who you are, then that's great. So it's definitely a two-way thing. So you're finding people you think, that are aligned already Mm -hmm. as opposed to bringing them in and 
training them to be aligned or motivating them to be aligned or incentivizing them to be aligned, right? Yes, definitely. I mean, one, that very first step is, do you like who we are too? Mm -hmm. And then if you're, yeah, you know, I can do that, then we, you know, it's easier to integrate them fully. But if you don't believe in our, you know, philosophy, if you don't want to work in the urban markets, it's probably not going to be a good fit for you. If you're just looking for a job to get your next paycheck, you know, and you know that we're going to work, that we're in the urban market, it's probably not a good fit. So we really try to start during that recruitment process and that pre-screening. Right. So so roughly, like, how many different locations or places could, do you have where there are, you know, employees sitting right now or, or working? Well, we have 502 store retail locations. Right. So you have 502. And so then, I mean, roughly how many employees do you think you have? Greater than ten thousand. Greater than ten thousand, and 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 generally, I mean, what what's the average thing that they're selling? Um, it would be fashion retail. Fashion mm-hmm. retail. Okay, so you have five hundred locations, mm-hmm. over ten thousand employees. They're, they're you kind of like you said talking about the fashion retail. How do you get that many people and that many different locations to somehow be aligned culturally? Um, communication and okay. you know making sure that. Um, well, first of all, the district managers, are they aligned? Do they see where we're mm-hmm. going? Um, and then ha- making sure that, you know, when they're in the stores and they're talking to the people, that it's the same consistent message every day. You know, I know a lot of co- companies also making sure their work environment reflects who they are. You know, I also mm-hmm. was with Pacific Somewhere, and they did a really good job as far as, okay, the employee break room, does it embrace, you know, the whole, you know, surfboards and that type of culture? Right. So just drilling it down, and it's communicating through all of your different leaders. Leaders. Right, right. Now, is there ever any sort of maybe an exercise or practice where you're also then getting back from all of those people, you know, who are direct doing the direct work mm-hmm. to kind of feel what are they seeing and what are they feeling, and, and as opposed to because you said the district managers need to understand, and then, then but that's kind of mm-hmm. a top down, which you, you need top down, mm-hmm. but you also need bottom up. Right. Right. So how, how do you facilitate that? Um, I mean, we have formal ways. We have Survey Monkey that we mm-hmm. roll out to our associates. Okay, what are our customers asking for and things of that nature? But kind of what you just alluded to is having a really engaged um, leadership team, understanding that when you're in the stores, are you asking your associates, okay, what do you see most often? What merchandise do you see our you know customers wanting but we don't have? Our CEO is you know in the stores all, every single week. You know, so mm-hmm. having that engagement from the senior leadership as well with 502 stores mm-hmm. you'd have to be in two stores a day every be there every <laughs> single day of the year right right <laughs> right to get them all i mean that, that that could be tough that'd be a lot of travel i don't think i could handle that <laughs> <laughs> so you know how, how effective do you feel maybe some of your different programs are and the reason i ask that and i'll maybe ask you for a specific one because i think a lot of people like to know what other successful companies are doing. Mm-hmm. So n- not from a, you know, are you doing a good job, but maybe you could share what, what things are you doing well, especially maybe in the employee recognition space. You know, are there, are there certain things that you do that you think work really well that other people might be able to implement? Um, as far as employee recognition, I mean, with City Trends, it's more... I mean, we're moving away from a lot of individual versus to more of like, okay, as a store, as a district, Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people are more moving towards that trend as far as recognition goes. It's not about boasting as far as, you know, oh, I'm this and that. It's more as like, we did a great job as a team. So instead of the employee of the month hanging Mm -hmm. on the wall, it's did our store meet our goals? Did we as a group, you know, achieve this or that? Right. Right. And so it's definitely a team celebration. I mean, the other week we were all, you know, doing team building activities together 
together and really celebrating a lot of our wins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. And so you do those things as well up at you know higher up in the in the corporate atmosphere mm-hmm. as well. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So maybe when you think back, it was this kind of a question I just asked the previous guest uh, who was on the on the phone, uh, because we, we kind of like to kind of track see what the answers are because there has kind of been a dominant too. But sometimes we get a really cool answer also. But what do you think has had the most you know personal impact on your leadership development i mean sometimes people mention a parent sometimes they mention a boss but is there maybe a special person that really if you think about it kind of set you off in the direction that you are now um i think every single one of the leaders i've dealt with had an impact of some sorts but definitely my very first boss um he, every time I'd call, I'd be like, what do you, what, what should I do? I don't know. Why don't you come back and give me the answer of what you want to do? And right. so it's right. very much um, the type of leaders that make you think and come up with a solution and present it to them. Yeah. And that, I think, was probably the biggest thing for my career development. It's, now it's like utilizing my knowledge and understanding of the HR technical and how I'm going to apply it and really you know, coming up with different scenarios for the best solution. Mm-hmm. Is there a specific specific skill or technique that maybe is really important to who you are today, but was not something you were probably good at when you started that you really had to work at? Probably, you know, I think I think a lot of HR professionals coming out of college or whatever, their technical expertise, really understanding HR laws, but then applying them to the real world and the emotions and the different types of individuals that you're dealing with because mm-hmm. HR is a very emotional job. People call you because they're emotional about something. Right. And it's like, okay, so how am I going to manage your emotions and tie it to what the company wants, the law wants, and to make you happy? Um, yeah. So that's probably been the biggest lesson I've learned. <laughs> and, and still make sure you're happy, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's those team building activities right, for right, sure. right. Yeah, I have a lot of people, HR, that get out of HR because ultimately mm-hmm. they're not happy, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they can keep everybody else happy, but they're, maybe they're not happy. Right. So I think I think the best can can really uh, can keep that balance. And mm-hmm. it usually ends up being a sense of learning. They're always learning that the latest thing. They're always mm-hmm. kind of keeping up on what's happening. You talked about the kind of changes in, you know, individual recognition versus a team recognition. So mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming you're going to have a fantastic answer for this next question and that is what are you reading right now and can you tell us about that book oh gosh i was talking to mike about that a little bit earlier it's funny because i read a lot of like some of the books i'm reading right now are like the seven spiritual laws um, mm-hmm. of success by deepak chopra um, the power of now so i read a lot of um, more spiritual life type of books right. because that again helps me manage the people and the relationships that i need mm-hmm. um, because again going back to originally you know what i said as far as people work for people not for companies and it's you know through these books and through this knowledge that's really helped me manage different people okay what truly motivates you what do you want out of life Mm -hmm. and bringing that into the work environment because you're spending a lot of hours with us yeah yeah all Mm -hmm. all while still making sure that we keep the employee uh, at least on target or reminding them that it's also about what they can do for the company too Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. i mean that that's a really important I think a lot of times HR gets that, you know, what can you do for me? How can you solve my problem? Mm-hmm. But as your first boss said, you know, sometimes it's, well, you tell me what you want to do. And, I ask employees all the time, yeah. so what do you what do you want as the solution? And let's see if we can figure it out, you know? Yeah, so. yeah. yeah that's, 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 that's great advice. And it's always, it's so fascinating to me how a first boss or a parent is almost always that answer. And mm-hmm. 
what an impact they have on other people and to being the next kind of leaders for our generation puts puts a lot of pressure on those of us that are parents and our our leaders too in organizations to make sure we're doing our best because it seems to have such a huge impact on people when they come in the organization right exactly yeah <laughs> so uh, uh, one of the things that I- I'm sure you're seeing is that you know a certain amount of passion and, and loving what you're doing we see as being a real connector to success. Do, do you see that as as a really important part of, of your associate's success, or is there something else going on there? No, 100%. I mean, if you don't love what you're doing, then it's just collecting a check, and you're only going to be, you're only going to hit a certain level mm-hmm. um, at, if you're, if that's your, you know, biggest driver. And, and, and do you think it's important that they love it, or it's okay that they just like it? I mean, Well, there's always a balance, because if yeah. you love it so much and you're now only consumed by work, then your personal life's going to suffer. So mm-hmm. I think it does take a balance of, I love my job, but I do understand when it's time to then focus on my personal yeah. as well. So I think there's so few people that really love, love their job. Right. I, I You know, and actually a lot of them I know... I, are in HR, uh, surprisingly, you know, or I you meet the leaders of the company that love what they're doing. But when you talk to the maybe the average employee, mm-hmm. it's sometimes it's harder to find people who love their job that right. walk around. They like it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's good. They're mm-hmm. happy. Mm-hmm. So I always wonder if, if liking it's enough. And I, I don't know. Depends on the level. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. If you like it and you're doing a great job and your sales, great. But the ones that love it usually move up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they definitely they move up. So maybe that's more of a, a commentary for the person. If you don't love it, then maybe you need to find something that you love. If your goal is to move up, if your goal is to to continue to grow or to make more money or whatever it may be. Right. Yeah, you talked about those success stories like Home Depot kind of uses mm-hmm. or different ones. I bet you those people loved right. what they were doing and loved the company right. and everything else for and- them to have done that. And we know that only 10% are going to want that, where it's okay that if 70% of your population is just liking their job and doing their job. That's mm-hmm. not, there's nothing wrong with that either. We need right. those individuals. Right. Um, but yeah, those 10 to 20%. But I guess I always think, you know, if you're at 70, can we get to 65? You know, can we, can we get a right. little bit more people who are just, because it's, it's contagious. Mm-hmm. You know, it is. And, and especially as fragmented as your your organization is on paper. It may not be fragmented, you know, when you're actually in it, but on paper it looks very fragmented. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that's certainly got to be a challenge and something you're always thinking about. Right, right. And that goes into that strategic management. Okay, what's our growth and how much do we need, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so you, you, you've been uh, very helpful in kind of giving us some, some nice stories about you know, things that you've done and, and influences on you. Have you had any painful lessons that you've learned that maybe you might share that someone else might avoid uh, making that same mistake that was maybe impactful in your career? Painful mistakes? Let's see. Um, just, you you can't help everyone. I think, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. HRs, we want to help everyone. When you call us, we get into, like, I want to help you mode. Right. Um, I don't know if that's a painful lesson, but that's just been the biggest lesson is, like, I can't make everybody happy. Like, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, and it's okay. It's not, you know. Yeah. I, I once had a friend tell me, and he, he's in, in music, and he said, you know, you make music that you want to listen to mm-hmm. and that you want to play, and then you just hope that everyone else wants to listen to it too, but if they don't, then... Right. But you made it for yourself, and you play it for yourself. And I took that and kind of translated that to in, into work. you got to do the work that you want to do and mm-hmm. that you enjoy doing, and you hope that, you know, people will come and buy it, <laughs> right. right? You're going to have customers, and you want people want to work for you, but... 
it's got to kind of start with you. Mm-hmm. That you got to want to do it. Right. Exactly. You know, and, and I'm sure at some level that's what's happening at your, from your leadership uh, standpoint and different parts of your organization, right? And that must be working if you've got this many people mm-hmm. engaged and going. Right. Yeah. Are there any challenges that you have that are maybe regional? You know, that you have... In California? Di- well, well, I mean, you have I mean, you have laws that are different, but I mean, do you have kind of differences in, in you know, there's California mindset, there might be New York mindset, there's Florida mindset. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because we deal with people from the South, from the mid, Mideast and Midwest, and mm-hmm. you're right, in California, you, they're, you know... You have to be very careful in what you say and how you say it and how the person's going to perceive it, where mm-hmm. you're right, you can have a lot more of a different tone with people in different parts of the region, that's right, for right, sure. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> And what motivates them most, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's that's got to that's be tricky because you can't always apply the same formula Mm-mm. to every region or every even every city, let alone, you know, it can you're really right. be different. So. You're right. A lot, lot of interesting uh, things that you have to deal with that I'm glad we don't have to deal with. Now, <laughs> we, we, we have a virtual staff, so we have people around the country, but we don't have them in stores, which I think would be a little more uh, a little more difficult. So, Well, Sunny, I really appreciate you being on our show today. We've learned a lot about you and uh, certainly about uh, your company and all the great things that you're doing. Uh, if people are interested in learning more about the company or maybe applying for a job, what's the best way for them to do that? Perfect. Um, you can either find me on LinkedIn, um, Sunny Baines, or you can go ahead and just send me an email directly at S Baines, B as in boy, A I N S, city, at citytrends.com. Great. I'm sure you can check out citytrends.com, and there's mm-hmm. probably a career section there, I'm assuming, with a company as large as yours, uh, if anyone's interested in applying for a job and, and taking a look. So, um, again, we'd love to have you come back at some point, give us an update on how you're doing and how the company is going. And, but I really appreciate you taking the time to come down here and talk with us. Great. Thank you for having me. So uh, tune in next week uh, at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to hear uh, Brendan Farrell, who's the Director of Operations for uh, Schlemmer Algazi Associates. I don't know if I said that right. Oh, I'm getting the thumbs up. Now I'll see if I can do the next one correctly. And John Hilliger, uh, the HR Talent Acquisition Director at Lockheed Martin. Uh, but want to say special thanks to Cheryl Petrush and Sunny Baines for joining me. Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2.